everybody. Welcome to another episode of Who Gave Us a Mic. I am Adam Harris, along with the always infamous Ken Miller. Hey guys, how's everybody doing tonight? Today, tonight, whatever day it is at this point, I think this is day 37 of quarantine slash night. I mean, I think 37 makes it seem late. I think it's like 4,832. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. I agree. I think we're all going a little bit stir crazy, and I think we took a poll. I think the vast majority of people locked away in their apartments, houses, dwellings would agree with us. It's okay. Yeah, I'm ready to get out for sure. Right. So let's uh, make the most of it. Mess- wow. See, I can't even talk. I'm losing my um, grasp on the English language. Not that I had much to begin with. But anyways, so why don't you run us through what we're going to get into tonight? Yeah, so we'll keep it pretty basic to start. Um, go over a couple of my favorite sales techniques i guess you could say um kind of what's worked for me but kind of get a give a broad overview of what um what i like to use the most and uh we'll just kind of go from there keep it short and sweet i like it but before we get into that i have one question or one statement so before we got into this today i made a special delivery to your house with a case of beer yes so excessive very excessive, but also I'm a very good friend, so you should be super appreciative. So what I delivered was a 24-pack of Stone Brewery Peak Conditions because I was very excited to try this. And the uh, least on paper, it sounds like a very good beer. So I have to ask, have you tried it? I have. And it's good. It's good. It's smooth, but the price point on it? Jesus. Okay, let's not talk about the price point. I just want to talk about the beer. But you kind of got to take that into factor. Well, can we talk about the beer first? Let me talk about the price point. Yeah, the beer's pretty good. Pretty I wouldn't good. say it's like. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite beer. Really? It's definitely my, not like the most favorite beer I've ever had. No. I think the price point's a little outrageous, if you ask me. Um, yeah, so the price point for everybody is approximately $70 for a 24-pack. Yeah, I would have never spent that. <laughs> you were so quick to jump down my throat about that. I never spent that in a million years. Yeah, but I feel like it was a good Especially investment. better beer out there um, for cheaper. Yeah. Looking back on it, I probably could have gone with, like, two 12-packs, you know, to at least venture into it and be like, all right, well, for 12 of these, all right, it was $35. It's okay. Yeah, especially because we've never tried it. Like seven, do they only make this a couple times a year or something? Yeah, it's a seasonal one. I'm not going to lie, though. It might be one of the better beers I've had in quite some time. And you're going to say it's because I just drink Guinness and I don't know what good beer tastes like. But It's true. I mean, it's good, but like $75 good? I don't know. I just It has like a good – it's different. It's not a typical IPA that's super bitter. It's super smooth, and it's it almost has like a sweet – taste to it at the very beginning like when it first hits your like tongue and it's kind of nice I, I kind of enjoy it and it's 8.1 percent you can't beat that no that part's pretty nice right but 75 dollars no thanks we'll just drink 2x or i'll just drink um dirt wolf or i mean there's plenty of better beers i feel like yeah it's worth an experiment I've spent $75 on worse things, as have you, so, you know, let's get off the high horse for a little bit. Hey, all I just said was uh, a little excessive. Whatever. Uh, excessive is, like, my middle name anymore, especially locked away in quarantine when there's nothing else to do. 
So with that, we'll digress and we'll start diving into the sales thing. So you talked about you kind of want to hit like, I mean, you could almost call it like an introductory podcast into sales, right? Like just dipping your toe in it, like the first things you really, everybody should know about sales. Yeah, I feel like it's a like a a hundred foot view, kind of giving you um, some broad topics that you can later, you know, check out yourself or listen to the podcast later on, which we'll dive uh, deeper on, and you know, in the next few episodes. Yeah, almost like a syllabus of sales topics that we might hit on in even more detail later on down the road. So, I mean, the first thing that we're really bullet point, I guess you could say, we're trying to hit on is like the sales basics, like really. What are the crucial things that you need to know if you're getting into sales? And you made, you know, I mean, we were briefly talking about what we wanted to do, and you brought up llama. Llama. So for the people out there who don't know, kind of elaborate a little bit more about what that is. Uh, yeah. So it's it's basically it's listen, acknowledge, make a statement, ask a question, and you know, for different terms, basically active listening. Yeah, which is a huge. Thing. I mean, I would tell the first anybody in sales, the first thing you want to worry about is listening. Two ears, one mouth. Um, you know, it's because it pretty much anything. I mean, if you're trying to build a relationship with uh, with anybody, or no matter what you're doing, um, you know, you got to practice active listening to do so. If you're, a lot of people are um, quick to kind of just think about what they they're going to say next. They're not actually listening. And that's picked up on pretty darn quickly. And, you know, so that's why it's a, you listen, you acknowledge, you know, if I'm hearing you right, make, you know, make a statement, ask a question. And that really drives home the point that you paid attention to everything they had to say. Yeah, I think it's a great thing is whenever you, you know, reply to their statement, whatever they're saying, incorporate what they said into your retort so that you bring a part of what they said into your response so they know you actually were listening. That's a huge thing. Um, and then, you know, when you do that, when you're listening, ask questions, wouldn't you say, I mean, that's a huge thing is ask questions about to find more out about them. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, not just them, but to ask questions so, so you can figure out kind of what their needs are. Uh, so you can get to know them better, get to know their business better, get to know their needs better. Um, you know, all the above. Yeah. Cause it's hard to go in there and try to sell to somebody who's, you don't know what they actually need. And you're just going there like, Hey, you should buy this product but you don't know why they should buy this product. You need to figure out what their needs are, what they're looking for, and how their product can really benefit them, which kind of leads into like another thing where if you really go into sales and you start re- like realizing that companies care a lot more about their business than they do about you. So you need to figure out the best way for how what you're selling can benefit that company. Yeah, it's um I mean, I don't I don't know if they look care about their business way more than they care you. I don't know. If I'm like a huge fan of that. It's you know you kind of got to figure figure out what their needs are and how do you fit into that. Because if you do fit into that and you know you are a good partner, they're certainly going to care about you and in what you, you can bring to their business. You know if you become that trusted advisor and uh, you know more about your segment in the business than even they do, they're they're certainly going to care about you. Yeah, you have to be an asset to them. You don't want to be yeah. a hindrance or they're really your detriment to the business where you're trying they're trying to sell your product, but you're really not helping them out. You want to be a key asset, and like you said, a big advisor, so they're you're helping them build their own business. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to really look at, and that's developing relationships with people. Um, 
And that's so, and I think pretty much anything. You know, that's not just sales. It's you can be in anything if you if you want to move up in any type of position. Uh, it doesn't have to be just sales. You're going to have to develop that relationship. And uh, I think everything we're kind of going to touch on now and go into deeper is uh, will really help you in doing so. Yeah, and I think I mean developing relationships besides listening. Excuse me, and asking questions is one of the biggest things you can do because people are going to buy off you a lot more frequently if you have a good relationship with them opposed to if you're just Joe Blow off the street. Yeah, which as you know, I'm a huge fan of power questions. I think mm-hmm. I talk about that quite a bit uh, between you and I, and I'm a huge fan of of those, and I think they uh, they really drive home that you're listening, you're paying attention, and. Uh, the responses and answers you get back. I mean, I don't think you could really put a dollar amount on them. They're always, uh, they always help you and they always open up the people way more than you ever thought you could. Yeah. And I would say off of that is that it's hard to ask power questions through an email. So especially like times right now, try to pick up the phone because you might be able to get a lot more out of somebody by picking up the phone and having a phone conversation than you would with an email. And obviously the best conversations you can have are in person. And I know we're of a generation where we're accustomed to having conversations through a four by six screen on our phone. Um, But just going through and actually picking up the phone and calling people and more importantly, having a face-to-face conversation will get you so much further than an email ever would. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's what you have to kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit too with people and developing those relationships. And, you know, like you're just accustomed to emailing people or texting people and not having phone calls, especially younger people. So my like kind of advice to that is like, I don't know how you've done it, but I always felt a little bit more comfortable calling people that were in like a younger or like a lower level role and kind of calling people and just feeling them out and getting accustomed to having phone conversations with people at that level so that when you actually get to the bigger fish, I guess you could say you've had some practice. Um, I don't, that never really bothered me because I hate texting and I hate emailing. So it's just so not personal. Like I like being able to hear somebody on on the other end. I like being able to read their body language. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was kind of thrown to the wolves when I first started. So there was no luxury to, I want to, you know, I want to try and I want to try this out and get better. Like everybody I met with were different ages, different genders, different walks of life, different size companies. Um, like every day, every meeting was different. I never had a luxury to just kind of try it out, you know? Yeah, I was the I, same way. I was basically building. I was basically building my own business um, within the, the company I work for because nobody knew who we were at the time. Yeah, and I mean, I was at least having conversations over the phone. Uh, I was kind of the same way as whenever I first started. Um, my dad would have the presidents of companies just call me and grill me on like jobs we were betting or anything else like that. And I'd be there for like a month and I had no idea what I was doing. But just having that and having those phone conversations and picking up the phone and being able to talk to somebody is such a good skill set that people need to learn. And I feel like it's almost such a dying thing in our whole generation that it's a lost art. And if you can do that, you'll be able to close so many more deals with people. And you'll just go further and further in life. Um, and I want to really drive home kind of what we're going to cover. Yeah, it definitely helps your sales, but – you can use it in your everyday life, and it doesn't have to be just sales. It could be for any 
uh, any position or even in your personal life. Yo, and that goes for these entire podcasts. I mean, we're at the very entry level of this podcast, and these are things that, yeah, while we might be talking about you know, I mean, business, sales, management, whatever it is, while they're applicable to sales, they're also applicable to your day-to-day life, and there's things that they will just transfer over, which will make you just an overall better-rounded human being. So, you know what I mean? Take these things, try to apply them into your regular life. We're just developing friendships with people that aren't even business-related and just going, hey, what are you doing this Friday night instead of texting them? And just getting stuff like that, and it'll just make you an overall better person. Absolutely. I can, I think it's a, uh, like you said earlier, I think it's a lost art, um, especially in our generation. I'd imagine it's just going to get worse with future generations. Oh, my God. Actually, I know. Actually talking and uh, reading body language and and um, socially reading a situation. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's really hard anymore for people of our generation to read other people's body language because I think right now everybody's so insecure about themselves due to Instagram and all this stuff like that. I can go on my soapbox and bitch about all this shit like that in social media. But I think people are so insecure about themselves that they're worried about what other people are think. So they're not worried about other people's body language. They're more worried about themselves. And, you know, if you can put that aside and like that we started out at the very beginning, worry more about them than you do about yourself. It'll get you so much further in where you're trying to go. Yeah, that's a another point to why these power questions, you know, people like to talk about themselves. And when you ask those open-ended questions, it, it's really easy to find the answer you are looking for because people like to uh, just really go on about themselves or their business or whatever they're proud about. So you can really kind of sit back and dissect the conversation on what they're telling you and, and really pick apart the information you need. Yeah, and that would be another thing that I would say is um, if, say, you go into an office, and you've actually told me this on a couple sales calls you've been on, is when you go into an office, be very observant about what you're seeing. You might go into somebody's, let's say it's a mom-and-pop hardware store, and they might have pictures of their grandpa inside with his first dollar bill or whatever it is, and you make an observation like that, and then you pry, and you go, hey – so how long has this you know, company been in your family? Then all of a sudden you get this little crack and you start asking all of these questions about you know I mean, the family, the business, and all of a sudden this guy tells you everything you'd want to know about the company and then you have your in because you showed genuine interest and you were a little bit um, observant about what was going on. Yeah, and I'm also, I'm also always trying to find common ground. Um, I'm also always trying to show genuine interest and really get to know somebody in their business and – um, that was kind of how I opened up so many accounts is I would start picking up little things and being observant, ask questions about them, and then it just slowly opened them up to uh, ask questions about their business and kind of what their needs were. And then slowly from there, you could start really picking apart what they needed and uh, figure out how my product would help with those needs and then close the sale. Yeah, like going back to what we said is that how does it how does your product benefit this company and how will it put, you know, more money in their pocket because at the end of the day we're all it's capitalism and we're all trying to make as much money as possible. Um, which I would say another key thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that if you're going to have a person in person meeting with somebody, it's like do a little recon on the company too. I mean, even if you don't there's not pictures of grandpa holding a dollar bill, if you go on their website, you might be able to find something like, hey, um, we started out as a one-store shop in, you know, behind dad's, you know, I mean, garage or whatever, and then we've grown to a 20-store chain. So just doing a little recon on a company before you go in there. 
helps you out too. And it makes you seem like you've actually invested some time into getting to know the company you're selling to. Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to investigate a little bit. Um, you know, I try not to overthink it because I don't want to come off as, um, I don't want to say salesy, but I don't want to come, I don't want it to come off like I'm not trying to learn about their business and I'm just asking pointed questions. Yeah. You know, any, anytime we're going in on a cold call, I'm really just trying to go into be, uh, be curious, learn. And as I'm learning, I, I always consider it like, like a boxing match, basically. Uh, you kind of stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. So yeah, it's, yeah punch, counter punch, question punch, here. counter punch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ask, I ask way more questions than I even give statements and I try to lead people. I try to lead the horse to the water by asking questions and, um, I try not to interject my knowledge or information unless they're, unless they ask for it. Then I'll, then, you know, then I'll give them my point. But, uh, you know, outside of that, I really just try to try to pick them apart by hitting them with questions and we'll dive, you know, deeper into power questions on, on later episodes, but it's basically a very thought provoking question. Um, you know, I'm in high end goods, consumer product space. So, you know, when I finally got to where I felt like I was, well, if it was a brand new cold call, in-person cold call, would walk in, um, like a power question. When I finally would talk about their business, uncover their business, I would say, oh, you carry brands A, B, C, and D. They would say, yes. I'm like, oh, those are all premium brands. And the guy would go, oh, well, I, guy or gal would go, well, I, um, I pride myself on carrying and offering my customers premium brands. Said, That's great. So if I showed you a premium brand, do you think uh, – you'd be able to pick one out. Like if I, I can't remember how I worded it, but um, you know, something like if I showed you a premium brand in a brand new space or a premium product in a brand new space, uh, do you think you'd be able to tell the difference between that and a knockoff? And I would be like, yeah, absolutely. Show me what you got. And then we, I'd show them and we'd start talking and then, you know, I'd ask them questions and say, Hey, you know, this product would sell alongside blah, blah, blah. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. Well, you know, what do you think you can do with it? And it's all thought-provoking questions to kind of get simple yeses and then a little bit of the response, simple yeses and a little bit of the response. And, um, you know, if they didn't want to bring it in, you know, what's your fear around this product? What's your fear around our brand? What's your fear around this order? And really try to dissect what they're actually worried about. Because nine times out of ten you get, um, we don't have the cash for it, you know, it's a cash flow issue nine times out of 10 or it's like the, the worst one is oh, I just don't have space for it. You know, they're always bullshitting you there. So I try to drive in on that fear. Like what is the real reason that they're not bringing it in? And I'll ask yeah, you that question. Yeah. And asking all kinds of questions, like you said, opens themselves up. And like you said, people love to talk about themselves. So most people aren't very stoic and, or to the point, so they're going to elaborate and run on and have conversations that aren't necessarily about the product and it might give you some insight or they might slip up and say something that they didn't mean to because they just keep talking. So if you just sit there, be quiet, ask questions, you're going to find out a lot of information and then also you're not going to say something that you inadvertently didn't mean to say and then open yourself up for something that was unintentional. Yeah, I always try to um... – I always try to just be silent. You know, it's another thing that leads us to after the power question is brevity, which 
you know, basically ask the question and, and sit there and shut up and, uh, and let the customer do the talking. So when I would ask these questions and be like, you know, we saw a picture, it'd be like, Hey, I noticed that picture, but is this the same store? Yeah. We opened the store in 1916. My great, great, great grandfather did it passed along the lines and blah, 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 man. That's crazy. You really don't hear that outside hardware. What has kept your family so successful for the last 50 years? Well, we're so successful because we offer our customers the best premium brand. Oh, really? That's awesome. I noticed you carry A, B, and C, and D. Yeah, those are the best brands in their category. Well, what if I showed you a brand new category? Do you think you could pick the best product out of that category? Absolutely. Like I said, that's what I pride myself in. What did you say you sell again? This is what I sell. And then ask another question. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I just want to learn a little bit more. Blah, blah, blah. I always had this... Um, so me and two other guys I worked with had a $50 bet every week who could open up the most dealers. And I always had a role. They would bring in um, they'd bring in brochures. They'd bring in all their um, – all their whatchamacallit. They'd bring in all their samples and would bring it in right off the bat. And I always knew I had a role. I would let the, make the guy ask me two to three times for a brochure or to see my – my sample of something because I knew if he asked a second time, I had him. And if he asked a third time, the sale was over. He was really interested. I got him super interested. Then I would go get everything, come back in, show it to him. As I'm in the car, I'd hurry up and write up an order. And then I'd <laughs> carry the order back in. And, you know, that's when we I'd walk him through the product. And then I'd slide the order to him. I'd practice brevity. So I would say, hey, Adam, based off everything we talked about today, this is the opening order I'm thinking of. I'd slide it to him. I wouldn't say anything because typically the first one that talks, the first one to lose. And then they would say, okay. And I would call the other two guys and collect 50 bucks each. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. And I wanted to say something off of you because um, through that whole thing, you were a little emphatic um, on your delivery of that. And I would say something else you could talk to salespeople is you kind of have a match personalities with people. And you can't always have the same delivery to every one of the people you're selling to. Um, no, I mean – Everybody has a different personality, so if you're selling to a, a type A personality, you want to tailor it that way. Be short to the point. If you're trying to, if you're selling to somebody that's, um, you know, very number driven, then you want to do that and maybe talk a little bit slower, uh, let them digest a little bit, and yeah, you kind of want to, you kind of want to tailor it a little bit to each person depending who you're talking to. Yeah, and you have to – and doing recon and being observant and asking questions at the very beginning of these conversations, especially for somebody that you're just developing a relationship with, you can kind of learn what kind of delivery you have to have and how you have to go about presenting this material to people. So, I mean, it goes back to the first and foremost thing is listening. Listening, everything stems off of that. So that's – I mean, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Active listening, like I said before. Active listening. I mean, because everything basically stems off of active listening. Because if you walk into a meeting with somebody you've never met before and you let your ego take control, which we could have an entire episode. I could probably do an entire season on ego and how it just stems off of everything. Um, you know, your ego yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you sit with how many salespeople? I mean, how many of them actually listen to what you're saying? Um, I would say the vast majority of them don't. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't because they don't care and they go in there and they just want to talk about themselves the entire time. And cause it's because most people are trying to think 
on the next thing to say. They're not really soaking in. Like when you listen to when you listen to somebody complain about something, say they complain about four things. Usually, the fourth thing, the last thing they complain about, is the most important. Uh, so I like to work back. So I mean, let's see. You're talking about price, room. I don't know, buying dollars and bad time of the year, whatever it is. Um, I like to work back. So if you listed all of this for, I would say, oh, bad time of the year. And, you know, what makes January a bad time of the year? Well, by far, this is the worst year because we don't really sell much, you know, retails down, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, retails down because of the time of the year. So you don't have any cash flow. Um, and then you can kind of work your way back and ask questions and, and, you know, show them that you're listening. And you want to throw in definitely some rebuttals along the way. Like, I'd, so this is your worst time of year. Why is that? Well, in January, everything's cool. Nobody shops. This one, we don't sell anything, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, uh, you know, this is our busiest time of the year. But I also noticed you said the cash flow is a little tight, you know. So throw in your little jabs, duck and move, duck and move until you're ready to close. And you'll know when it's ready. Yeah, and – you know, we, we preach active listening and asking questions, but at the same time, you do have to have some kind of response to this thing. You can't just ask questions 24-7. You do have to throw a little bit of your own opinion in there, but it just can't be the majority of the conversation is you exerting what you think. The majority of it has to be you asking questions with a little bit of your own response thrown in there. Yeah, when you – I mean you'll notice too like – when you're asking these questions, you stop provoking questions. Like they're going to ask, especially if they're already a customer. And um, like the a lot of my, let's say one of my dealers will be, you know, hey Ken, we're down in so and so, and I'm like, you know, why do you think that is? And I know the reason. The for example, the merchandising could be shit, <laughs> and I'll say, you know, why do you think that is? And, and at this point, they trust me. They want my um, opinion. They'll say, I'm not really sure. Can you tell me why? And I'm like, have you checked out your merchandising? And then I'll show them a couple of pictures of what it should look like. And they're like, okay, well that makes sense. Or have you done yeah. this? Have you done that? And, but it's a question at first where it's, you know, I put it on them a little bit. And then yeah, you're being, you know, sig- come back you're being, there. you're being suggestive opposed to telling them this is what you should do because you're trying to, like I just said, you don't want to hurt their ego because if you go in there and go, well, you're an idiot. If you did it this way, you'd sell more. And then all of a sudden, like, well, fuck you. I know better than you. Don't tell me how I should sell this product. So if you suggest it and go about it very gently, they're a lot more likely to listen to you and actually be like, all right, well, yeah, maybe we can work together on this. Yeah, especially if you if you can get them to ask you for what your thoughts are. Um, so no, I mean, we're we're running on with this whole thing. I think we've uh, yeah, I don't hit on a lot of time key. on it. Uh, yeah, because the big I mean, things honestly, I kind of want to focus on through here, like our llama, uh, listening knowledge, which is. Yeah, uh, brevity, uh, power questions, and Johari's window, which we'll touch on, we'll touch on another episode. But which is uh, those why don't you be- give everybody a qu- just you know quick synopsis of what Johari's window is? Yeah, so basically, it's um, uh, everybody has like a public me. Say me and Adam are having a conversation. There's public me and public him, and private me and private him. So the idea of Johari's window, if you offer a little sliver of yourself, there'll open up a little bit better. So uh, when you see those pictures on the wall, say it's their kids or whatever, just for an easy example. So mm-hmm. you see their kids, be like, hey, I see that, you know, just something like baseball. They'll start talking about their kids and say, hey, do you have any kids? 
yeah, actually have a one and a half year old and then give them that little piece and then start asking questions and questions and questions. Um, so it's like, oh, your kid's 15. You know, I have a one and a half year old. You're, how would you say your kid was? Oh, he's 15. Is he showing any uh, enthusiasm about taking over the family business? Ha ha ha. Uh, well, not yet. Well, how long has it been in your family anyway? And then you can kind of circle into why you're really there. Yeah, which is a huge thing. Like you said, giving a little bit of yourself to get something back from the other people. So that's just, I mean, these are just the very, like you said, 100 foot view of some of these topics that we're going to hit on throughout this podcast. And obviously, this is kind of what almost like the um, syllabus week, if you were to say at uh, college, right? We're going to go through what we're going to hit on throughout this podcast and uh, keep listening. And we're going to get in even more detail about all these stuff like that. So I don't know, Ken, you got anything else? That's it. Let's wrap it up. I appreciate it, everybody, and thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys, for listening to uh, another episode of Who Gave Us a Mic. I'm Adam Harris. He's Ken Miller. Everybody, thank you for listening. We're out. Bye, everybody.